You're listening to The A-Game, an adcom podcast chronicling the week in media, technology, and agency life, featuring Joel Hammond, Jim Ganser, and Jeff Culleton. Amazon delivers disruption to the ad industry, and blockchain ads want to buy you coffee. Do we have your attention now? You're listening to The A-Game. Here's how it works. Each week, we bring together experts representing four core areas of our ad business to get their take on what's trending in the world of media and marketing. What you get is a 360 view on the topics you need to know about. Joining us today, talking marketing technology and trends is Jeff Culleton. Good morning, good morning. Social media and influencer marketing, may I introduce Joel Hammond. Good morning. When it comes to media acquisition and programmatic strategy, nobody does it better than Morgan Rooks. Morgan. Morning, gentlemen. Can you hear that? It is a faint sound out in the distance. It is the death rattle of display advertising. That sounds like Morgan Rose. That sounds like Morgan Gosh, That is ominous. Provocative. That is ominous. Yeah, and and one of the things that we want to talk about this week is perhaps a precursor to that death rattle. Uh, It's been an interesting week in the world of Amazon, but we're just going to cover one side of the story. Hey, is that, is that, that was a divorce joke? Was that a yeah, divorce that joke? Di- that was a divorce joke. There's nothing <laughs> funny about the joke about I thought divorce. that was a Paul show. Harvey reference. No, I missed <laughs> no, the divorce joke. No, there's there's really nothing funny about divorce. It isn't breaking no, up families. Really, and such. wow! I really went there, did I? Seventy-five yeah. billion yes, I dollar payout. Breaking up is hard to do. There was a funny. T- <laughs> I mean, I mean, there are there were funny tweets about it though. There, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that could be a whole other social media conversation of of what's what's hot and trending around. Um, misfortunate business. I was going to say, Twitter really does coalesce around misfortune. It does. Did they they get smart? Did they get people? Everybody gets smart. Yeah. One of the things, though, that that was interesting coming out of Amazon this week, and and Joel kind of teed it up for the rest of the group, uh, or brought it to light, and it kind of caught fire. You know, we talked about this a little bit last week, the duopoly of Google and Facebook. And is, is there kind of cracks in the foundation? And what does Amazon play in that um, breaking of the foundation? And, and really what we, we settled on is, yeah, we're starting to see signs, but they still only account for about 4% of, of uh, ad share, which is super small. And even by 2020, we're looking at upwards of 6%. So if you're having a hard time, you know, beating them at their own game, you change the game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Disruption. Joel, what what exactly is going on with Amazon? What did they roll out this week? So Morgan uh, found this great story about uh, Amazon. Basically, and we we talked about before we we jumped on and started recording where this isn't a terribly new idea. This idea has existed going back to when we were kids in the grocery store, right? This is finding people where they're shopping and serving them um, things that we think they'd like, right? So I'm walking to the grocery store and um, I see a a little old lady serving me some, what, tuna salad on a a Triscuit. Interesting you would go right to tuna salad. Oh, well, it's funny because I don't (laughs) don't really like tuna salad. Anyway, so Amazon has rolled out this, um, well, they didn't confirm this, but uh, rumors are swirling that they're going to start – Sampling, basically, like take my doing doing things they're good at, knowing me, what I like, and also their logistics advantage, 
um, to send me things that they think and, and frankly know that, that I like. So I search on Amazon for Paw Patrol. So they're going to, theoretically, they would look to me to send um, uh, just because I like Chase. You know, I don't even have kids. No, I'm kidding. Uh, they you would send me the newest Paw Patrol toy that they think that my kids are going to enjoy based on my search history. They can get it. They know that I like it. They can get it to me quickly and, and easily. So that was the, uh, these are the rumors that are swirling around Amazon right now. Hmm. So while Google's trafficking ad banners, Amazon is actually trafficking coffee, right? So Morgan, what does this actually say about the effectiveness of programmatic advertising? It, does it say anything about it? I don't really think it says anything about programmatic advertising um, as a platform, but it is a, an interesting new way for advertisers to get their product out there. Um, so as Joel said, this isn't 100% confirmed, but there are job postings on Amazon's website for jobs related to this. And people are on Twitter talking about the fact that, hey, they got some free Folgers coffee from Amazon and where did this come from? So I think this is just another outlet for um, for businesses to reach consumers. Again, in the same fashion that we've used, we've seen before, um, in-store sales, sales displays, samples, um, even in recent years, people who are frequent reviewers on Amazon will get products in exchange for reviews. So this is going beyond that. You don't have to necessarily be an Amazon influencer. You just have to be someone who's active in the platform. Well, Morg, what do you think that means for customer expectations? So as soon as people start getting stuff, mm -hmm. <laughs> you really start to shift a customer expectation. Yeah. Do you think, do you think, if, I mean, if anybody's got the cloud, it's probably Amazon. Do you, do you think that's a rapid shift in customer expectation? Um, I think it, there's a fine balance. I think you're going to have those customers who feel a little violated by the fact that Amazon is using their search data and using their purchase data to then send them free samples. And then you're going to get the people who are all about it and are wondering why they're not getting free samples. How is this distributed? And of course, it's a pay-to-play environment. So if Folgers is paying to send samples out to Amazon consumers, you know those people will be getting samples. But Someone like me who doesn't buy coffee through Amazon would never get anything from, from Folgers. So um, I do think there might be some level of customer expectation. I think you can see it in uh, companies like Sephora. Um, Sephora is known for including samples in their packaging. So when someone buys something from Sephora online, they get a couple makeup samples. Um, it's to the point now where you can actually pick out the samples you want. Oh, and that's cool. if you were to get a package from Sephora that didn't have a sample, Sephora would be hearing about it. It would be on social media. People would be reaching out to customer service. So it does it does increase consumer expectation when you start down that road. We've talked a lot about micro-influencers over the last X amount of time, last 20 episodes. <laughs> um, what, um, I mean, is this, I mean, you know more than I do. Is this the next natural evolution, like, everybody becomes a micro-influencer? Is that is that where we're going? Well, that's where I was going next. I mean, we've had experience with, and your question's a valid one, so... With companies like Sephora, Sephora has, has um, you know, made its its customers think that's coming. Now, to the point where Morgan just said, if you don't see it, mm -hmm. you're going to be – I don't know if this Amazon program, like, creates that, at least in its infancy, because it's not persistent. It's once in a while and that sort of thing. But we see that with influencers where – and, you know, you see this, this – this goes for probably many walks of life, but I give you something – and it's that person's um, natural instinct to, okay, well, if I got this, I can probably get this and this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we see, I mean, that's, I think we see that with influencers. So um, it's, it's, uh, 
a, it's a slippery it's a slippery slope for sure. I don't know if if Amazon doing this as a one, on a one off basis creates that sort of customer expectation, but um, it's something to consider for sure. So I do think it'll be interesting to see if this becomes more mainstream, if it affects people's search uh, behaviors. Um, you know, if someone's looking for a free sample of something, will they automatically go to Amazon and just start searching related products over and over again to hopefully get on that list? I mean, obviously, they won't know who's involved in the program, but it'll be interesting to see how consumers react to it. Will they start going to Amazon first instead of going to Google? Yeah, does it require um, Does it require some some history of purchases? Mm-hmm. Right. If I maybe that's a way to to prevent that gaming of the system. If I if I need a new pair of of running shoes and I oh all of a sudden I'm going to search for new running shoes for for eight days, I think there's probably going to be some sort of safeguard in place where, all right, this person has consistently bought new running shoes every four months or so. They're clearly putting miles on those shoes, cycling through them, and maybe that's a candidate rather than somebody who's just, you know. Or maybe it's just for prime users. Yeah, maybe. You're already covering some cost up front. Maybe you've already, you have free shipping. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just for prime users, so you're not getting people just trolling the search sure. functionality of Amazon. That's interesting. Well, here's what I like about it. Um, It is sampling at the core, right? But it's not exactly the type of sampling that you have at the grocery store with the tuna and the Triscuit, right? It is more along the lines of advertising as a vehicle that is carrying a sample. So while advertising, yeah, in-store, that is advertising. But this is using machine learning. This is using um, essentially an algorithm to figure out what you could provide of value to somebody else. And there's implications with regard to reviews. There's implications with regard to um, viewability. And there's implications with regard to data. So, you know, one of the things that that I step back and and I, I think about when I read an article like this is, does this take advertising and get it closer to one to one? So when we're serving ads through programmatic, we might be using first-party data to retarget people that have gone to a website or taken a specific action. But we're not targeting Joel Hammond. We're targeting somebody that took an action on a website. Sure. The difference here is Amazon knows who you are. Yep. So we're in a situation where ad fraud is kind of uh, checked at the curb because we're going one-to-one. But are people really going to have problems with this? Is it an algorithm or is it a situation where we're actually talking to individual people with customization that we don't typically have with advertising? So it's kind of an interesting story. And yes, it hasn't been fully confirmed. Um, I would say that it feels about 99% certain that there's going to be some iteration of this that's going to go out there. But there's some big questions uh, to answer. And you know, the I, big question for me is, do consumers care if they're going to get something of value in return? Yeah, I, th- I thought Jim's point about reviews was really was really good because these are so reviews, as we know, are increasingly more important as as we go along, right? So I think this is a, is a, is a way that Amazon could um, juice their you know like or or companies you know Sephora whatever whatever company we're talking about. This is somebody I'm somebody who has bought um, Paw Patrol toys. I'm somebody who has bought diapers, right? So. If I'm gonna, chances are I like the product I'm buying, I'm searching for whatever, and if that company sends me the latest technology or an improved product, or chances are, I mean, I'm gonna like it. 
<laughs> right? So, so maybe, you know, that maybe that's a, that's probably, that's not the primary, primary motivation, but I think it's a consideration where this is, this is, we're probably going to benefit in, t- you know, secondary and tertiary ways from this program. Let me, uh, let me present a scenario to you, because I think this is legitimate. The, and I am much more bullish on the fact that we are on the precipice of, I've used precipice a lot the last couple Man. of days. It's like, uh, anybody else out there? Yeah, it's perspective. Uh, Have you heard on, precipice on this program? We're on the verge of a third major marketing iteration akin to when search came out and when, I'll say social, but the monetization of social for marketers. Um, I think this is massive. And fast forward five years, we're all sitting around a table going, I wonder what is waiting for me at home. Ooh, what did you get from Amazon? I wonder what's waiting for me at home. What what sample did you get? I think there is... It's like tan- water cooler talk. Exactly. Tangibility of a thing. Getting a thing for nothing is enormous. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's a new bar of Dove soap. It is huge. People want to feel like they're getting something for nothing. Yeah. What has my son been saying to Alexa? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you need more Dove soap? Jim, I, I think we want to move on, but Jim... Um, uh, mentioned if you can't beat them, then change the game. I thought that article that that Morgan passed around. This is this program is taking what Amazon is good at that Facebook and Google aren't good at. Well, I mean, at least one piece. They don't have infrastructure. They don't have infrastructure. They don't have the logistics and to. Successfully that's that's the differentiator. Sure. Right. Amazon wants to take market share. What do they have that they, the other two don't have? They have a logistics infrastructure, and they could put this into play tomorrow. Absolutely. Amazon or Facebook and Google do not have yeah. that. So we've said this before, and I feel like this is going to be the crux of 2019, is that people want super personalized advertising, super relevant advertising, but they don't want to share their data. And as marketers, we need to find that balance. And I think 2019 is going to be about finding that balance. That was super. (laughs) (laughs) She's good, man. She's She's good. good. She's good. She's giving the sound bites. Before we go on to the next topic real quick, one thing that I did want to just push out uh, to the group here is sampling's not new. We kind of covered off on that. But a lot of our clients are in in the service business. So when we're talking about service-based businesses, is there really a way to try to replicate a model like this? The silence is deafening. So I feel like it's kind of already there. So the first thing that popped into my mind was was gyms, and gyms already send out coupons for a free month or a free week, um, obviously through direct mail, and that's been happening for some time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like for service based industries, it's it's kind of been around because I mean, and sampling through mail has been around as well for you know for CPG companies as well, but. Um, I feel like it's kind of there. It's just an evolution of it. Well, but it, it, nothing is a blanket yes. This this goes into play. It's good for certain things. Use cases are not ubiquitous across the world. They work in some places. They don't work in other places. If I need an attorney, attorneys can't just start sampling me. You know, this is what my will and trust stuff looks it's not going to be for everything. For physical product companies, this makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. For physical product companies that are highly transaction-oriented, not very high uh, price or dollar values on their products, this makes a ton of sense. For things that are a car, for things that are maybe an expensive tool, okay, you know, this doesn't come to the same level, but 
in those industries, in those service industries, industries, let's say, you know, with like a tool manufacturer, those sales reps are still out in the field doing demos. A demo is a version of that. I think it's, I think it's hard to, to place this same model to it and say it's going to be, oh, the sampling economy is, is, is going to um, transfer to all of these things. In the sorry, Jim. In the instance of a tool manufacturer, though, I mean, maybe is, is it a branding play from there? So if, if sure. you have mm-hmm. if you have an ex, so the, the toys and diapers are different than professional tools, for instance, mm-hmm. right? So uh, maybe it's more of a branding play where you are uh, sampling with your minor products that you know a a, a plumber or a, or an HVAC person sure. is using. You're you're sampling with um, a a smaller ticket item to introduce your brand and then maybe that i mean it's 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 imperfect and it's not apples to apples but maybe it's uh you know maybe that's a play for for these companies that aren't selling nine dollar wipes and and that sort of thing you know well here's my hot take on this Uh oh okay hot take hot take um while it feels like what amazon is doing this is doing is is future forward in terms of advertising and its breakthrough i think it's actually way backward I mean, sure. This is oh, this is like go. 1950s backwards. This is I'm showing up at your door with my vacuum, Cutco knives, and yeah, oh, and I'm going to start vacuuming knives. your living room. You didn't ask me to come here, but I'm knocking on your door, and I'm wondering if people are going to want it. So that's my hot take. It's actually vintage throwback. It is not future forward. So throwing that out there. What once was old is now new again, Jim. Exactly. As long as they don't send I like somebody the comparison, to test out my Dove soap in the shower with me, I'm good with getting the Dove soap for free. I like the comparison, and I, I think it's valid, but you're also you're modernizing that, right? So I don't know about you guys. Anybody knocks on my door, um, I'm hiding, right? I'm running <laughs> to the other room where nobody can see me. I, I like, who is at my door, you know? So that's fair, Jim, but, but I think it, there's also a modernization of it where, all right, we're taking out the, you know, um, the creepiness the of, of Jeff C., weirdo, auric vacuum salesman coming to my door at, after dark in the winter. I'm like, who the hell is at my door? I, I wasn't expecting anyone. Jim's just trying to be controversial. <laughs> that's fine. Jim's, you know, you know what he is. He's a rabble rouser. He's a fire starter. <laughs> I think it would be a lot more interesting if when you logged on to Amazon, you were given a pop-up with the option to get the product rather than just getting the product. Ooh. I think there's a lot of waste involved. I'm, of course, I'm coming at this from an earth perspective, but there's a lot of waste involved with shipping out product, um, especially with the product isn't going to get used and just going to get thrown away. Um, so I feel like it would be much more compelling if you were to log on and be like, hey, we'd like to send this to you. Would you like to opt in? Yeah. Well, modernization, I understand, but you know, the modernization of Dirty Dancing, nobody liked it. So... <laughs> Have that. Was it a Havana Nights? No one had the time of their life. <laughs> no. Dirty dancing. <laughs> Everybody put babies Nobody in had the time of their life. There's just, there just babies in corners. Ladies and gentlemen. I can think Morgan of a Rooks. million thing, modernization things people do like. Come on. All right. Well, getting getting to... <laughs> Rabble rouse. Given the fact that it's morning and it's Friday and let's talk coffee, uh, let's talk blockchain. Um, Here we go. So one Jeff Colleton had a very successful presentation yesterday. You may have caught it on the live stream. Um, and, and one of the examples that he had brought up trying to take a really complex topic and apply a use case to it, he brought up Starbucks. And this kind of floats into a similar conversation, but it's about providing value through advertising, actual monetary value, which goes back to way back machine, maybe episode 11. 
Ooh. from last year. Yeah. Where we Good started episode. talking about monetizing your own data. Strong but we're talking about the tokenization of advertising. And Jeff, you want to kind of walk us through, I mean, we don't have to go too deep into Concise, the blockchain concisely. conversation. We <laughs> no. might need a safe word in case we go too far down. <laughs> what do you want to do? Blockchain. Safe word? Armageddon? Uh, no. Um, I thought it was Bojangles. Yes. Bojangles. Bojangles. Sorry, Bojangles. Okay. Um, so you starting your stopwatch, Morgan? Yeah. Okay. So that I, I, blockchain actually, I, I think, is going to be a much lesser part of this conversation. Um, but the, the premise of the talk yesterday is... We've reached a point in our economy where Bojangles. <laughs> it's too soon. <laughs> Kidding. Kidding. Jk. Jk. Where um, people no longer consumers uh, no longer believe that just giving their data away uh, is 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 a free thing. I expect this is a direct offshoot of the last conversation. Mm -hmm. Is my data is worth something, a token, a dollar value, a free sample, whatever the case is. But my data is now worth something. So I'm, I started to mention before, I'm becoming a futurist. 2019 is the year where I said, like, we are on, we're, we're starting into a new place where marketing is going to have to change significantly because the expectations of the customers are changing significantly. And specifically around who has my data, how they use their data, and what I get for it. We were talking earlier this week after a conversation at CES about, you know, Facebook is, is Facebook free? Well, I've never paid for Facebook. That's nonsense. You pay for Facebook every single day with your data. You pay for Instagram every single day with your data. Not me. Oh, not, <laughs> not me. Yeah, not Jim. Hard punt on Facebook and Instagram. Um, but people are now going to expect something in return for that. And how do we – how does that tokenization economy work? How do I get something in return for giving you something? Uh, and, and that's what we're starting to talk about now. These these things are being built, but we're really roughing it into a new place where advertising has gotten so overbearing, so in our face, so targeted, um, and has a high element of ad fraud to it that something's got to change. A lot of people think that maybe a distributed ledger, often commonly called a blockchain solution, is part of that. So basically just having visibility throughout the entire process to say, I served an ad to this person, they saw it, they clicked on something. Right now we have a lot of intermediaries that work in that advertising supply chain um, and they cause inefficiency. Um, but where we're, where we're going, I think, is a place where people own their data, advertisers have to ask for permission every single time to show them that data. But when they do, when somebody says, I want to see Starbucks, I will look at Starbucks ad. I get a, uh, a, a new seasonal drink ad that's served to me in, in within Instagram. I click on it. My expectation moving forward is going to be that I get stars in my app for clicking on it. They sent me something. I get something in return. And to me, you know, and I'm going to start screaming this uh, in client meetings, is we have to be ready for the point where somebody's going to expect something back from us. And I think that's, I, I think we are, are a couple of really big examples, and maybe Amazon in the sampling piece being one of them, away from people going, well, yeah, I, sh I should get something. If I click on your ad, um, I, I should get, if you serve me an ad, I should get something. And conversely, having a blockchain or a distributed ledger solution in place gives the brand the ability to say, okay, Tom's just sitting there and clicking on my ad because yeah. he wants free coffees. 
that's not how it works. I can look and say, ah, Tom, that's you doing it over and over and over again. You only get stars for the one click. So here's a question. Should the advertisers be the one offering something or should the publishers be offering something? Because ultimately, the publishers are making money off of the ad space. I think it's a, I think it's a great point. It's I think the way the whole system works changes. So I think the people who make money now are outside of the um, the public are probably going to change. I think there's going to be a little bit of a flipping. We were talking yesterday what the linear supply chain looks like for ad buying is you, know, you get a DSP, you get an ad network, you get a supply side where somebody's saying I have space to sell. And then you finally get to an audience. There's a lot of people in there getting a cut. And there's very little visibility into, you know, party A got this cut, party B got this cut, party C got. There's room. And a brand would way, way prefer to spend, I'm making up a number, the $5 that they gave to the, uh, the supply side platform to, th- to the actual customer. Like if I'm spending that 5 bucks already, I want to spend it where it could pay another dividend. The, the platform's not buying a cup of coffee from me. The person is, and I want to get to them. So I, I, it's a great question, Morgan. And you, you, know, uh, you and Jim know about this better than I do, so I pass it back to you. Do you, do you think who's, who's most likely, who's easily disrupted in that supply chain for ads? Well, it's, it's interesting. Um, I think it's a good point, and it's a good question that Morgan volleyed over your way. I, I always break it back down to what it, what are they trying to do? What's the actual goal here? And ultimately, I think what they're trying to do is this this just smacks of a loyalty play. This is not an acquisition strategy. This is not I'm trying to get somebody who's never had Starbucks to come back. Mm-hmm. Frankly, it feels more like a product of the app usage as opposed to coffee. Mm-hmm. So likely... Uh, Starbucks is sitting on a mountain of data over there that suggests when people opt in and start doing mobile payments through the app, chances are they're going to buy with a higher frequency and they're going to buy with a higher recency and they're potentially buying higher value products. 100%. So this is a great way for them to kind of go after their current audience. But the question becomes, you know, the whole middleman in the supply chain, this is first party data. This is their customers. Mm Mm-hmm. So they're finding a way. I don't know that you could completely cut out all the middlemen, even in the the promise of blockchain, but you can certainly scale back significantly. I don't know if this is something along the lines of you talk to people that are actually coming into store locations, providing value there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe you use beacon technology so that you can interact with the phones or you start doing push notifications through the app. But it just, it feels like, they could probably do a lot of the heavy lifting just with their own owned assets and their own first-party data for the most part. So I guess the question becomes, what are they really trying to do? It feels like a loyalty play. Um, I think it's a good way to potentially disrupt advertising to a certain extent to show actual value. Uh, But ultimately, we're talking about first-party data here. But I I also think this gets you closer to to like cross-channel attribution. Yeah. The fact that our mobile devices is a central point, but yet we have cloud solutions that have us logged into different devices at the same time. I think this gets us a lot closer to I viewed on a desktop. My, I was logged into my you know my Google account at that point. I consummated a purchase. I think it gets us a lot closer to the promise of omni-channel attribution 
and saying, you know, from a fractional standpoint, you know, where did this purchase really, the intent of this purchase start? And then I think it gives people the, the ability to start channeling their budgets better. And so, like I said, I think these are disruptors that we don't yet know how they're going to disrupt, but they are going to have wide sweeping changes because of a number of market factors. Lack of trust in the brands that we work with to keep our data safe. Uh, lack of or desire to more uh, personalize our interactions. And the same desire is always the growth in sales. So how are we going to provide that convenience in between without anybody seeing the background so that we can spend our money the wisest and give you the best experience? I think we're closer to that. Yeah, and then it's incumbent upon people like us to try to make these types of experiences tangible for smaller advertisers. Because there's not, you know, there's a handful of Starbucks-sized companies mm -hmm. out there. Fact of the matter is there's a lot of businesses in the United States that are solopreneurs or small businesses, and it, it's incumbent upon marketing organizations like us to, to solve for some of those things. You can't 100% replicate it, but we don't have all the answers right now. Frankly, you know, we rely on our listeners as well, and this is a good point in the program to point out that you know, if you've got questions or thoughts, we really want to hear back from you guys. So please, please, please message us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook at the Adcom Group. Um, we're going to pretty much wrap up the show this week. This has been a really good conversation, and we would love to hear back from you guys. Frankly, if you're just curious about Adcom as an organization, what we're all about, you can follow us on Instagram. Great channel. There's some remarkable work that's going on there. And Frankly, it's just it's fun to kind of see how it's evolved. Uh, we're hitting some milestones. We're feeling really good about the program um, uh, from a podcast standpoint, but the overall social brand's great. And, you know, if you like what you hear, just subscribe. You'll get in your feed every week. No big deal. Um, you'll hear those um, welcome voices mm. on the other end. Mm. Can I plug one more thing, Jim? Absolutely. Next week, you'll probably listen to this on Friday or over the weekend or on Monday. So uh, Wednesday the 15th, we're actually debuting a, a companion podcast to the A-game called B-Sides, where one of the four of us, Morgan, Jim, Jeff, or I, will talk to non-adcomers. We'll talk to people in the industry about current trends and uh, things that are prevalent in our specialty areas. So um, keep an eye out an eye out for that uh, coming next week. And that first episode is is whom? Oh, great question. Uh, so we've got uh, some local, uh, we're in Cleveland, Ohio. We've got some local uh, foodie influencers to talk about their um, uh, growth and, uh, and and their process and what, what it's like to be influencers. So it's a really, really good first uh, crack at it. Awesome. Also, if you are interested in hearing more about blockchain, Jeff's presentation is available on our Instagram at the Adcom Group. It's a it's a humdinger. Oh baby. Also, <laughs> uh, look out for B sides. Crave Klee for any any folks out there that are following them. I, I believe I saw a picture of uh, tuna on a Triscuit that was just they would beautifully never. arranged <laughs> no, on a paper never. plate. They're, they're I don't know if that was them. Costco influencers now. <laughs> yeah, it could have been them. But um, uh, make sure you rate the program and have a great weekend.